and now a look at local and statewide news. The city of Kodiak has put together an incident management team to prepare the community in the event the coronavirus makes it to Kodiak. As of Thursday, no cases of COVID-19, the disease caused by the virus, have been confirmed in Kodiak or the state of Alaska. I think the key to this is that we have good notice and we share information where um, we're not surprised when we have a patient because if it is as contagious as they say, you know, we don't want patients just walking into the hospital uh, and infecting people immediately or having our healthcare providers like our EMS service um, coming into a facility that uh, potentially has the coronavirus, but we're not aware of it. We don't want exposure to those that are unnecessary. That's City Manager Mike Twangy speaking on Wednesday. He says the city is coordinated with the Coast Guard Base, the school district, and Providence Kodiak Island Medical Center to develop a protocol for response. Anyone calling 911, the hospital, or public health nurses will be asked questions to assess the risk of coronavirus. Coast Guard rescuers will also be asking evacuees those same questions. As of today, we've touched uh, all our bases. We have uh, had some conversation with the school district, and uh, I think in Kodiak right now we're pre-positioned pretty well for this. Should anyone be suspected of having contracted the virus, Twangy says the hospital will take samples and send them to Anchorage for testing. He said results can come back within six to eight hours. In the meantime, the city is advising that residents practice good hygiene, wash hands frequently, and stay home if they're sick. Just good hygiene uh, will help prevent it. And right now, again, I can only emphasize that there, there is no confirmed cases in the state of Alaska. Should there be, we are going to be prepared. If residents are concerned about flu-like symptoms, Twangy advises calling a health care provider for advice instead of immediately going to a hospital and potentially risking infecting others. For the most inf- updated information on the outbreak, you can visit the Center for Disease Control and Prevention website at cdc.gov coronavirus or call the Kodiak Public Health Center at 486-3319. Last night, the Kodiak Island Borough Assembly handily dealt with all its agenda items, approved the disposal of property seized for not paying taxes, and authorized two contracts for design work. As KMXT's Maggie Wall reports, their assembly had a brief training on the coronavirus as well. The road to the Saloni Creek Rifle Range will be getting new fish passage culverts, and the borough boiler room will get a renovation. Both projects had contracts for the engineering phase approved by the Assembly last night. Also last night, the Kodiak Island Borough Assembly received the semi-annual report from the Bayside Fire Department Chief, Howard Rue, who says Bayside in 2019 had 189 calls. Which is an increase over 30% from 2015. The majority of my calls are EMS with 55%. And you can see the, the rest of the breakdowns. We actually had 26 fires, which is a pretty, pretty substantial part. And these are actual working fires that um, we're either working with the city or go out on our own. But we, we had a lost person that we worked with to help get them back to safety. Control burns, good intent calls, automobile accidents, MVAs, trees going down, hazmat calls. Been getting a lot of smoke calls this last year power lines going down and smoke detectors. And he noted that fewer people are getting burn permits, which is a concern since the permits allow the fire departments to know ahead of time that smoke in a certain area 
may be an authorized burn instead of a home fire. Rue added that Bayside recently received state certification as a registered fire department. Borough Manager Mike Powers gave the Assembly an update on this week's meeting of the local Emergency Services Council, which is coordinating efforts to provide a response to the coronavirus should it make its way to Kodiak. But it wasn't all serious business last night. Manager Powers gathered staff together in order to present the 2019 Employee of the Year Award, as well as the Employee of the Quarter for the first quarter of 2020, which were given to the same person, Elliot Blocka, a borough maintenance mechanic who does a little bit of everything to keep things running. You didn't think we would let this go by easily, would you? <laughs> Mr. Blocka, if you would come up, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> at ease. Thank you very much. So this is one of the better parts of my job I, when we recognize employees for their hard work and this evening we're recognizing Elliot for all of his hard work. He was not only employee of the quarter this quarter but also employee of the year. That means he gets two, yes, two checks out of this and semi-matching placards uh, to hang on his wall. For his part, Blocka said, it's easy to be a good worker when he works with so many good people. For KMXT News, I'm Maggie Wall. Tomorrow is tax-free day in Kodiak. That means if you shop at participating businesses, you can make purchases on Saturday without paying the city of Kodiak's 7% sales tax. The tax-free day began in 2009 when the city council adopted a resolution by the Kodiak Chamber of Commerce as a way to encourage people to spend money at local businesses and to help people save. According to the chamber office, many shops plan specials to go along with a tax-free event to multiply the savings. For information, call the chamber at 486-5557. Governor Mike Dunleavy has a new ally in the recall fight, Alaska businessman John Binkley. As KRBD's Eric Stone reports, the former Republican legislator and cruise industry frontman says he's forming an action group to help the governor keep his job. John Binkley has worn a lot of hats. Stints in the legislature, a primary challenge to Governor Frank Murkowski in 2006, and more recently, the face of the cruise industry in Alaska. He stepped away from that role last year to concentrate on a new project, redeveloping Ward Cove's former pulp mill into a mega dock for cruise ships. And for that, he spends most of his time in Ketchikan. But he's also wading into the biggest political fight in the state, defending Governor Mike Dunleavy from being recalled. He says he understands why many have turned against this governor, but he says Dunleavy should be allowed to finish his term. The governor has grown. I think he has learned as evidenced by the budget that he presented and the approach that he's taking this year versus last year. Here in coastal Alaska, the Alaska Marine Highway System has been at a virtual standstill from mechanical failures following cost cutting. Anger has been directed at the governor for his austere budget, but Binkley says it's not all Dunleavy's fault. That's the result of decades of neglect by many administrations over time of not keeping the ferries upgraded to the point that we that they should be. 
Nor is it the point. Unpopular policies are what general elections are for. He says the Alaska Constitution is very specific on how and why a governor should be recalled. I'm concerned that we're headed down a path that may lead to a lot of divisiveness and won't allow the state to move forward. The recall Dunleavy petition lists four alleged violations of state law and the Alaska Constitution as grounds for the recall. The state's division of elections has challenged those grounds. It'll be up for the Alaska Supreme Court to decide. Whatever they decide is, uh, you know, I'm, I'll live with that. In other words, Binkley's argument will be to the people. He says he's planning on buying ads on television, radio, and print to make the case that Dunleavy hasn't done anything to justify a special election. To me, it needs to rise to a much higher level of, of corruption, of uh, misdealing, of, of things that really are egregious. Binkley's family is a player in Alaska's media landscape. His son Ryan helped buy the Anchorage Daily News in 2017. He's now CEO of the state's largest newspaper and has a seat on the editorial board. The elder Binkley says his son won't be involved in the political fight. And the newspaper says it'll maintain a firewall between its owners and the news operation. The ADN's editorials have argued against recalling the governor. Binkley says he'll push for that line to continue. If I have anything to say and my son agrees with me, uh, he's one of uh, several on the opinion board, then they'll write an opinion that's specific to the opinion page. He says he's planning to raise funds from like-minded Alaskans and draw from his own fortune to defend the Republican incumbent governor. But right now, he's still in the early stages of organizing his new anti-recall group. In fact, he says he hasn't even settled on a name. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. Anchorage School District administrators say a pilot program that extended lunch and recess time has largely been a success, and researchers evaluating the program say it could be a model for districts across the country. But despite positive student outcomes, some schools struggle to balance the schedule. Alaska Public Media's Mayoa Aina reports. Several inches of new snow blankets the playground at Kasuin Elementary just in time for recess. Kasoon is one of 19 elementary schools in Anchorage participating in a wellness initiative that asks schools to give students 10 full minutes to eat breakfast and at least 20 minutes to eat lunch. The pilot also added 10 more minutes to recess for a total of 30 minutes. First grader Austin Vaughn says the extended time is working out just fine for him. Um, it's really fun because we have more time to play. Overall, administrators reported that students in participating schools were happier and less hungry than other students. Some teachers in the pilot also noted that students were less disruptive, especially younger ones. But Deputy Superintendent Mark Stock says feedback showed a few predictable challenges. And that's one of the drawbacks that came up repeatedly from staff is that I can't, I can't get it all in. One requirement of the pilot was that schools maintain the integrity of their reading block. Stock says five schools reported needing to shorten reading time in order to provide a longer recess and lunch. Other schools shortened science and social studies time. But there was another major obstacle to the program. One of the needs that came out clearly was that we need more lunch staff. Uh, all the schools have trouble filling their noon duty positions. 
A shortage of noon duties or people dedicated to monitoring lunch and recess meant school staff were left with the responsibility, spreading teachers pretty thin. Kassoon Elementary Principal Tylesha Wayne says getting staff buy-in for the pilot has been a struggle. I didn't expect the major backlash from teachers because I hear a lot of teachers say, like, I'm so tired, like, I'm way more drained than I was before. Wayne says she plans to continue with the pilot, but hopes to make a few tweaks to the schedule and will include more teachers in the decision-making process. That flexibility will be important in how the pilot moves forward, says researcher Juliana Cohen. Cohen is an assistant professor of nutrition at Harvard and volunteered to help evaluate the program. If this pilot is going to be expanded, it's probably not a one-size-fits-all type of initiative, but that different type of methods are going to be likely needed for this to be successfully implemented, um, both inside of schools and between schools. She says ASD is one of the first districts in the nation to test and evaluate longer lunch and recess times. The majority of principals interviewed, about 60 percent, said they would continue the pilot at their school next year. After more discussion, the district can decide whether or not to maintain the program on a voluntary basis, alter district policy to reflect the schedule change, or end the program. In Anchorage, I'm Maya Ina. The Midday Report on KMXT is brought to you in part by Ardinger's Fine Furnishings, where you'll find the Simmons Dual Comfort Mattress, allowing you to customize your sleep experience. Also featuring massage and zero-gravity chairs from the Human Touch Company and sofas and love seats by Stanton, 486-5554. This is Alaska Fish Radio. I'm Lainey Welch. Keys to the Gulf Cod Crash. More after this. The Alaska Marine Safety Education Association is offering marine safety instructor training in Seward, April 20th to 25th. Learn more at amc.org. Integrated Marine Systems is the leader in marine refrigeration in Alaska. Visit imspacific.com. Warmer temperatures on the ocean bottom were key in causing the cod crash in the Gulf of Alaska. That's the conclusion of a NOAA fisheries study that connected low numbers of cod of all ages to loss of spawning grounds in the 2013 to 2016 heat wave called the Blob, the largest warm water event ever recorded in the North Pacific. Pacific cod are unique among all cod species because they only spawn once in a season and have eggs that adhere to the ocean floor. But the eggs have a very narrow temperature range for hatch success. And during the heat wave, Gulf of Alaska waters reached nearly 61 degrees, compared to a norm closer to 50 degrees. Right after that, they saw no first-year cod. Lead researcher Ben Laurel collected tiny cod from nearshore waters around Kodiak in 2018 to bring back to the Alaska Fisheries Science Center in Newport, Oregon. They've followed the fish since to see how they're recovering from blob effects. 
Laurel said in a previous interview that things might be taking a turn for the better. 2017, the ocean temperatures started to get back to normal, and we did see a sign of some fish, which was good because we hadn't seen fish earlier than that. The research is providing a window into how Alaska cod will fare in a changing climate. So it's sort of a dress rehearsal, I think, for things to come. And it's encouraging that we had a responsive action to this really drastic reduction in the population. I'm encouraged by that, but I'm also tentatively nervous about what's in line for the future. So I think everybody should be braced for that uncertainty. Find links at alaskafishradio.com. Fish Radio is also brought to you by Ocean Beauty Seafoods. In Kodiak, I'm Lainey Welch. Fish Radio is supported in part by Joy Crafts, specializing in marine safety equipment. U.S. Coast Guard approved AMC instruction for commercial fishing vessel safety procedures and drills, serving Kodiak for over 25 years. 486-6293 at 445 Shahafka Circle. This is the Island Messenger, a look at personal messages, the weather, and community announcements. KMXT's Island Messenger, supported in part by the Kodiak Daily Mirror, your hometown newspaper since 1940. Now online at www.kodiakdailymirror.com. Welcome to this noon edition of the Island Messenger. It's 31 degrees, mostly cloudy in Kodiak today. This afternoon, expect a 20% chance of snow after 3 p.m., mostly cloudy with highs near 28 and east winds around 5 miles per hour. Tonight, a 30% chance of snow mainly before midnight, cloudy with a low around 22 degrees. East winds around 5 miles per hour becoming west after midnight. On Saturday, a 40% chance of snow in the afternoon, but mostly cloudy throughout the day. 40% chance of snow continuing through Saturday night and Sunday. In Homer today, it's 23 degrees and fair. This afternoon is going to be mostly cloudy with a high near 27 and some calm winds up there as well. In Anchorage, it's 11 degrees, mostly cloudy. This afternoon is going to be mostly sunny, though, with a high near 17 degrees. North winds around 5 miles per hour. Tonight, a 40% chance of snow after 1 a.m. in Anchorage, mostly cloudy with a low around 7, and north winds around 5 miles per hour. Quick look at the marine forecast for today. From Marmot Island to Sikanak, there's a small craft advisory on Saturday. Today, south winds of 15 knots, seas at 5 feet, and tonight, east winds of 15 knots, seas at 7 feet. Chiniac Bay today, variable winds of less than 10 knots becoming east, 10 knots in the afternoon, seas at 3 feet. Tonight, variable winds of less than 10 knots with seas at 3 feet again. Marmot Bay today, variable winds of less than 10 knots becoming east, 10 knots in the afternoon with seas at 3 feet. Tonight, east winds of 10 knots in the evening becoming variable less than 10 knots with seas at 3 feet. Shellacoff Strait today, northeast winds of 20 knots, seas at 4 feet, building to 6 feet in the afternoon with freezing spray. Tonight, northeast winds of 20 knots with seas at, oh, excuse me, 20 knots in the evening, becoming variable 10 knots, seas at 6 feet, subsiding to 2 feet after midnight. Today is March 6th. Sunrise this morning was at 7.49 a.m. Sunset tonight will be at 6.55 p.m. That's 11 hours and 6 minutes of daylight, which is 5 minutes more than we got yesterday. The record high on this day was 52 degrees in 1943, and the record low was negative 6 degrees in 1971. Looking at our tides for today, low tide will be out in Kodiak at 5.57 p.m., negative 0.39 feet. High tide will be in at 12.33 a.m., 6.9 feet. Over on the west side, low tides at 6.27 p.m., negative 0.3 feet, and high tide will be at 12.52 a.m., 13.5 feet. 
Coming up this week on the Alaska Fisheries Report, Alaska's first and most lucrative herring fishery at Sitka Sound is not likely to open for the second year in a row and for only the second time in the fishery's nearly 45-year history. Small fish and a weak market are to blame. Meanwhile, further north, the Norton Sound winter crab fishery opened last weekend, but nobody showed up to fish. And finally, a shakeup in the seafood processing industry is raising questions in King Cove. All that coming up on this week's edition of the Alaska Fisheries Report. Alaska Fisheries Report is produced here at KMXT. You can listen to it on Thursdays at 9.17 a.m., on Fridays at 5.20 during the evening news, and on Saturdays at 12.15 during the midday report. All right, looking at our community announcements for today. Today at the Public Library, oh, actually, we just missed that, but on Fridays at the Public Library at 10.30 a.m., it's Spanish story time. Children ages 5 to 8 are welcome to enjoy Spanish songs, stories, crafts, and games. Tomorrow at the library at 1 p.m., you can stop by to learn about the art of making paper. The Bayview Road Service Area Board is holding a public hearing on Tuesday, March 10th at 5.30 p.m. in the Bayside Fire Hall to hear comments on its fiscal year 2021 budget. On Monday at 7 p.m., this, uh, well, actually, just mentioned that, but on Tuesday, 12 p.m., the Board of Equalization meeting borough is meeting in the Borough Conference Room. At 6 p.m., the Fire Protection Area Number 1 Board is meeting in the Bayside Fire Hall. Wednesday at 6.30 p.m., the Planning and Zoning Commission is having a work session in Borough Assembly Chambers. Next Friday is the next installment of Galley Tables. The theme is Lost in Translation. That's going to be March 13th. As always, there's one theme, seven storytellers, each given seven minutes to tell their stories. There's a $5 suggested donation. Doors open at 7, and the show starts at 7.30. That's at Kodiak Harbor Convention Center. You can sign up to tell your story at galleytables.com or email galleytables at gmail.com. Also, this is the second to last Galley Tables of the season. The last one will be on April 10th, and that theme is Shoulda, Coulda, Woulda. The Kodiak Archipelago Regional Management Body for the Alaska Migratory Bird Co-Management Council will conduct its spring meeting on Tuesday, March 24th from 11 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. The purpose of the meeting is to make subsistence harvest recommendations for migratory birds. Recommendations approved in this meeting will be advanced to the spring 2020 statewide AMBCC meeting. The meeting will be held in the large conference room of the Shunak Tribe of Kodiak, 312 West Marine Way, Kodiak. This meeting is open to the public and teleconference will be available. For additional information, call Kelly Kruger at 486-4449. The Alutic Museum has a public service announcement about saving Alutic family photos. Photographs are among the most popular documentation of Kodiak history. People love to see family members and familiar places, and yet photographs are also some of the most vulnerable records of our community's history. Paper images fade and disintegrate, they're susceptible to mold, water damage, and fire, and as, past as time passes, people forget the activities and individuals pictured and photos are discarded. The Alutic Museum is leading a one-year project to preserve paper photographs of the Alutic world. Bring your pictures of Alutic people and places to the museum, and they'll make digital copies for you. If you agree, the museum will also add the copies of the images to its archives. Preserve your photographs and help future generations see the past. For more information or to set up a scanning appointment, please contact Collections Manager Amanda Lancaster, 844-425-8844, extension 20. Excuse me, extension 22. This is a free service. Anyone with photographs of Alutic people or communities is welcome to participate. This project is supported by Shunak Tribe of Kodiak and the United States Bureau of Indian Affairs. And that's all I have for you for today.
Island Byways is supported by Orion's Mountain Sports, specializing in high-quality clothing and equipment for hiking, climbing, and kayaking. Orion's Mountain Sports, located at 1247 Mill Bay Road. Hello, Kodiak, and welcome to the March 6th edition of Island Byways. I'm Pam Foreman. Boy, that longer daylight is something, isn't it? Pure heaven. Guess what? It's about to get even more heavenly. That's right. Sunday is the beginning of daylight saving time, which means we gain an hour of daylight in the evening. Unfortunately, it also means we lose an hour of sleep on Saturday night as we move the clocks ahead an hour. It's a weekend full of entertainment and art. Friday is the first Friday Art Walk featuring local artists at various businesses. This month, join watercolorist Angela Toki at the Frame Shop or see the world through the lenses of several of Kodiak's photographers at Harborside Flyby. You can also see a new display about Alutic languages at the Alutic Museum or learn about the history of the U.S. Census here in Kodiak at the Kodiak History Museum. Top it all off with the opening show of The Hasty Heart, a drama directed by Lissa Woodbury Jensen and written by John Patrick. Set in the convalescent ward of a wartime hospital in Burma, the show is all about developing friendships in trying times, and sometimes with trying people. There's a little of everything in this show. Humor, gritty reality, love, and, well, bugs, like mosquitoes and flies. It is set in Burma, after all. Seriously, though, I've had the pleasure of watching the cast rehearse over the past week or two, and it's a good show. From laugh-out-loud funny moments to reach-for-a-tissue-moving, the show has a little something for everyone. Open for two weekends only, there are three shows this weekend, Friday and Saturday at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday at 3. It's at the Auditorium Drama Pod, and you can get your tickets at the door. And that's it for Island Byways this week. Have fun and stay safe out there. Thanks for listening.